Welcome everyone to a special episode of EPMI Cast. I'm Alice Cadet, Marketing Manager at EPMI. Today we have our first guest to the show, our friends from SSI Group. We have Jason Jones, the CFO, and we have Chris Taylor, the VP of Finance. SSI Group is a leader in revenue cycle management and has been partnering with healthcare providers for the past 30 years. Today we'll talk about the impact of EPM on their business. On the EPMI side, we have Nihar Parikh, our CEO, Fletcher Cox, our Director of Sales, and a new EPMI cast member, Minnie Parikh, our VP of Delivery. So we have lots of new faces and lots to talk about, and I'll have Nihar start things off. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the EPMI cast. I'm Nihar Parikh, one of the co-founders here at EPMI, and I brought some of my team with me here, Fletcher, Minnie, and of course, Alex, our host, and also two very special guests today. Um, from SSI Group, um, a company based out of Mobile, Alabama, focused on the healthcare and technology space. Uh, Jason Jones and Chris Taylor, could you please introduce yourselves? Hey, Nihar, it's uh, Jason Jones for SSI Group. I'm a CFO. And Chris Taylor, I'm the VP of Finance. Thanks, guys. And of course, Fletcher and Minnie, don't want to leave you guys out. A quick introduction for the folks that might not know you. Sure. Um, I'll start. Hi, everyone. I'm Minnie Preek. I'm the VP of Delivery at EPMI. And Fletcher? Hey, everybody. Fletcher Cox, uh, part of the sales team over here at EPMI. I'm uh, based out of Denver, Colorado, and used to work at Oracle. That's kind of how I got involved here. Awesome. And so today, you know, um, we all, of course, know each other really well, the SSI group and the EPMI team. And we've been engaged with you guys. We were just talking before the, we started recording here about three years um, since our very first project, uh, where we kick off the enterprise planning and budgeting part of the Oracle Cloud EPM platform. Um, and I think, Minnie, you were actually one of the leaders in that engagement. And um, I know you, Jason, and Chris have worked closely together, um, especially those first few phases. Can you tell us a little bit about that project and kind of what the maybe the initial goals were, um, you know, what you guys did and kind of how maybe uh, the SSI team could shed some light on how those things are running now? Sure. So I'll start. And then, um, you know, Jason and Chris, feel free to correct my memory or chime in if I've gotten anything wrong. But from what I remember, um, it was uh, what I liked a lot about the project was unlike other clients, you guys really knew what you wanted and you knew you had clear objectives of what defined success. So we were trying to get the budgeting application live and get it in the hands of I think it was 30 or so managers And so there was um, a little bit of a cultural shift involved because there was greater accountability now with the system, but then also with ERP going live and having connection directly to the source data, there was a need to gain some efficiencies in the process because now you have the data at your fingertips to source the actuals as a starting point. And so how do we get the budget in and streamline the review process um, that it goes through and, and shorten the cycle? And then also build in some calculations and automation for reporting. Um, and so is there anything I missed in terms of the objectives there? No, that's pretty comprehensive. Yeah, that's a very good summary for sure. 
Okay, great. So um, what I remember is a really successful go live in that, you know, because we had defined clear principles of where we were headed, thanks to you guys, you guys uh, rallied the troops, you know, I mean, there's always a few stragglers who are resistant to change. But I think with your leadership, I think attitude from the top set the tone. Um, we were able to successfully get the budgets in and have an automated way to review those to where I think your review meetings cut down from like, three hours to 30 minutes. Um, at least that's what we tell everyone. You want to you want to shed some light on how those those things um, ended up playing out when we were gone for that phase? You want me to take that, Jason? Yeah, I, you're the one that makes it happen. Uh, yeah, so uh, I was there for, you know, I've been at uh, SSI for about seven years and a couple years before we implemented uh, the planning. Our you know, our usual budget time took about three to four months and it was spreadsheet after spreadsheet after spreadsheet and back and forth with the managers multiple times. And when we implemented the planning, the planning piece of uh, EPMI, it was, uh, you know, it cut down to what, Jason, about a month, maybe. So probably 75% of our time was uh, whittled down and, you know, most of it was version control because every time a little change would happen, it would have to go into a um, spreadsheet, which then rolled up through departments, through, you know, the financial statements, everything. It was, a, it was pretty much a nightmare. It was all manual. There was a ton of room for error. There was a lot of room to uh, miss things in emails and stuff like that. And I don't know, just having everybody be accountable and in one place was really a, uh, like many said, it was a cultural change for the good. And the managers have all been very positive about it as well, because sometimes, you know, version control on the back end as well would, would hurt them. They would turn in a budget. They would plan based on that budget. And then when it would come out in the financial statements, it would be different because the CFO or the CEO at the time would make changes and it'd never get back to them. So from both ends, it was, a uh, for the finance department, the you know to be able to control the information back and forth was fantastic. Yeah, there was always that single version of the truth, or, or there is now right, with Oracle. Uh, just to speak to a, a, an example of an error that you know, would have in the manual process, as I remember very vividly, we were trying to uh, meet a specific EBITDA in uh, one of our spreadsheet roll-ups, we, we missed a spreadsheet of a call center. It was about $2 million in expenses, which you can imagine can have a, you know, an impact on, on the EBITDA. And that was right before we're going to the board approval. So just, you know, th things like that, just manual, uh, removing the manual uh, process and room for error uh, is, is huge. Yeah, and we Chris, I would say, I would say, you know, when you talk about a month now, I mean, that can even include negotiations. Uh, yeah, it does. Absolutely. Not just, you know, us mechanically doing things within the system. So it's a it, it tremendous uh, streamline. Yeah. And, and another thing it helped with was all of our backup, right? So when we produce the initial budget information for them, you know, we're providing them with their payroll data, their AP spend, you know, prepaid assets, any of that stuff. And we were having to do all that through email which now we can all attach in the system, right? So all the data that's going back and forth as well, the backup is all in one place. So you can go back and, you know, rebuild it if you have to at certain points, if people can't remember why they put certain numbers in the 
in the planning system. And so this first phase, as I understood it, was really focused on revenue and expense. Um, I know that later on, we enabled the balance sheet and the cash flow and went kind of even beyond the budget with things like rolling forecast and workforce planning and projects and capital. How did you guys prioritize all these different phases? You know, in, in the on-premise days, we would do a lot of waterfall type implementations where we would, you know, take off maybe, um, you know, the full financials as a phase. And, um, you know, of course, you know, in the on-premise days, the projects tend to be a lot more drawn out. There's a lot of infrastructure to set up, a lot more to do on the technology side. Um, was there any um, functional reason or business reason um, to, to the phasing out? Or is it really just, you know, of course, everybody knows financials is important. Um, you know, how did you guys decide on how to do that? And what's the, what was the, I guess, the thought behind that? Well, uh, you know, first of all, I think we had to get up on the foundational uh, EPM uh, budgeting functionality. So that, that was critical. And let's face it, everybody has a full-time job, right? It's very difficult to, to n- introduce new systems and projects and so on and so forth. Uh, we, as a majority in our department, have uh, trained on Scrum, which is an agile type project methodology. I have a project uh, management implementation background myself. So I, I've, I've seen plenty of disasters with what you're talking about, the waterfall, right? Let's go turn everything on instantly and, and it just doesn't work, right? So I mean, you really look at what, what, you know, what your priorities are from, you know, a financial perspective and accuracy and, and uh, efficiency and, and, and a crisp hit on one earlier accountability, right? So that's the side I've been transitioning slowly from a top down, you know, here's your budget to uh, more of a a bottom up. And so this tool helped us to reinforce that and leverage it at the same time. So, you know, just acknowledging that you can't go do a big bang and waterfall. It's uh, you're setting yourself up for failure. And then, yeah, you have to do balance everything with a full-time job. We have other competing projects, obviously, as we, uh, uh, try to, you know, transition to be more efficient and, you know, better business partners with information analytics, that kind of stuff. So that, that, you know, that's why we didn't go do it all at one time. Uh, but you know, their prioritization is about needs within the department as well as the organization as we grow, uh, and seeing opportunity. And I'll jump in there as well. One good thing about our department is we get to negotiate what these priorities are. So I know many of you are involved and we are very much, you know, planners, right? We'd rather spend more time up front to make it easier when we actually get into it. And we actually, we spent probably a month, a month and a half negotiating this with the team, what we can handle, you know, what kind of capacity we have, what, what was going to be the biggest bang for the buck is we spent a lot of time trying to figure that out. So it wasn't just something Jason and I, Jason in isolation decided overnight, Hey, let's run with this. We, our team spent a lot of time trying to figure out, you know, what was the best steps to get this thing rolling. And I think to that point where that translated into project success is that everyone was hundred percent committed. 
right? Mm-hmm. From you guys to Hamam and Ricky who were in the weeds of it all and then really took on the application and the day-to-day to the managers that were then inputting the budgets. They knew this was a non-negotiable thing where everyone had already put in the legwork to agree upon this as a high priority. So there was no backtracking, right? And I think that really helped um, make sure everything went smoothly. Yeah, that's a good point for sure. Uh, it- and we do that with everything, right? I mean, we are very much, Jason's up to negotiations up until the point where as a team, we decide this is where we're going and it's all on board. So yes, that works very well for us. I have uh, one follow-up question there. Chris, Jason, what's everybody doing with all this extra time during budget season? <laughs> Actually running operations. Watch it. <laughs> yeah. And figuring out what better ways to innovate. Yeah, we, we hear a lot about, you know, less time manipulating data, more time analyzing data. I mean, do you all have any kind of, you know, anecdotal stories about, you know, maybe an insight you gleaned from the tool or, you know, how you're using that extra time? I'll jump in for, especially on the budget, right? We, you know how it is. Everybody throws in their budget, right? It comes up to this number. And then all of a sudden there's these last minute negotiations that everybody seems to panic over. Well, for us, it's a non-issue because everything's run so smoothly up until that point, when kind of things fall apart at the very end, we've got time and we're not, to be perfectly honest, we're not really burnt out with the budget by then. You know, most people hate the budget process because it's so long and tedious. With us, we've gotten pretty good at it where when things do kind of go off the rails, we have time to take care of them. So, yeah, I mean, I would, you know, you know essentially click of a button version control, right? So we stamp a, a version and you know, want to do some more negotiating and, uh, you know, reforecasting or whatever. It's literally, you know, in my opinion, my staff might disagree with me a little bit, but I've seen it in action. It's really just a click of a button to, uh, to move it forward and, and do some more work on the budget. Again, think about the days of trying to do that in spreadsheets and, t- and maintain, you know, a point in time version of all, you know, hundreds of spreadsheets. It's insane. Yeah, version final, 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 right? Um, and so going into the project, um, Jason, I know you have, you know, a bit of a technical background, some, you know, for previous implementation experience. Chris, what was that like for you? Did you have any sort of, you know, technical IT-based background, any, you know, computer science education, or, you know, how'd you learn to use the tool? I have none, other than I was here when we implemented Oracle and was kind of on the outskirts at the time of the team implementing it. But yeah, I have none, but that's kind of, kudos to you guys, right? Y'all were able to walk us through the very simplest forms of how to get this up and running. And by the time we were done with the project, we all felt like we were experts. I mean, it was the simplicity of the way you guys fed us the info. I mean, couldn't have done a better job. I won't give them a hundred percent. I give them 90% <laughs> because the tool itself is amazing, right? Yeah, that's, yes. It it, it, you know, just intuitive and, and, and coming like Fletcher, like you said, from that technical consulting background, just knowing that a staff accountant can pick that stuff up and run with it. Now, I don't mean, again, don't mean to dismiss what you brought to the table because it's huge, but uh, that, that tool uh, compared to things I've seen is, uh, is very nice. I think you really did hit it on the head there, Jason. I mean, you know, one of the biggest reasons why people choose the tools like Oracle, EPM Cloud, or Hyperion is because you don't have to pry Excel out of your staff accountant's hands. They can still live within Excel. They get the benefits of a system, security, scalability, and flexibility. 
be able to pivot, create reports on the fly, double click down to a hierarchy and create a PL. That's right. pretty powerful stuff, right? We call it, you know, um, analysis at the speed of thought. And um, to be able to do that and while also having, you know, all the standardization that a system offers, I think is the reason why we partner with Oracle and Hyperion as well. Yep. So the combination, uh, you know, I speak about EPM all the time, every chance I get, right? It's uh, the methodology and the the resources y'all brought to the table for sure are huge. Uh, Yeah, we we probably could have made our way through it, uh, possibly with another uh, consultant, but we've been there and done that with other consultants. And uh, I'm telling you, what y'all bring to the table is a completely different approach. And it's, uh, it was amazing. We appreciate that, Jason. Um, Yeah, we've done three projects with uh, EPMI and and it's been the same every time, right? So let's talk a little bit more kind of about those three projects because y'all were not necessarily pioneers, but kind of early adopters of the planning tool back in what, 2016 or so when it was first released. And you've really seen the product or the product evolve from a single SKU dedicated to just planning and budgeting to where now uh, you have access to the enterprise license, which has everything from account recs, consolidations, uh, profitability analysis. I mean, from y'all's own perspective, not to put you on the spot, but I mean, how has your tool evolved with your business? Yeah, I mean, I think making that licensing change, like you said, to, to open up the full suite to us uh, as an enterprise solution has been been huge, right? And so, you know, back to the the Scrum methodology that we use, you know, incremental, we're incre- incrementally turning things up as we have capacity. So the last one we did was around capital projects. Uh, and Chris, you know, he, he, again, he headed that up. He can speak to more detail, but just it, you know, having that available, um, you know, cause we're capital intensive and we're new software development. And so having that, that tool available to us and, and turning it up has um, made a huge difference from, you know, operations as well as, as visibility tracking. Yeah. And Manny, you, you oversee all the delivery here at EPMI and including SSI, you also see other customers in the way they operate. How, how common is this, you know, um, story of, of doing a phased approach um, versus, you know, the traditional big bang that you've probably experienced when you were at the big four. Sure. I think um, with the um, onset of cloud EPM, doing a phased approach is much more common and preferred than the waterfall methodology. So our own delivery methodology relies on a hybrid of the two. And that's because in the cloud, you can start prototyping and seeing the shift from Excel, which is a paradigm shift into an application, pretty much the first week in requirements. And customers really enjoy that. I know we did something similar for SSI where we call them system walkthroughs, where you could actually envision the tool. It's it's much more uh, digestible and you increase your chances of success. So we're seeing that with the cloud, this is definitely a more common trend compared to back in you know, 2008, when I started working in Hyperion and all the projects were two years or you know at least a year to two years long, sometimes longer. Um, so I think it's really nice to be able to see how that nimble approach is also enabled by the technology. And then we've had to adjust our delivery cycle and methodology to accommodate that, um, which also I think helps with successful delivery. Yeah, it's like we're, we're turning them out of a factory now almost rather than, you know, customizing and, and building a custom house. These are more 
not so much spec homes, but, you know, configurable, right. Based on customer requirements. And, you know, I think that um, it's nice that Oracle's taken a lot of the lessons learned from all the on-premise days and have built a lot of pre-built practices into the solution. So things like if you don't have a chart of accounts, they'll provide you a starting point. If you don't have any forms or any, you know, input templates built out, we'll give you a starting point. And then you can build off of that rather than having to, you know, think of everything from scratch like we did in the on-premise days. So, you know, what you and many are talking about there are huge from my perspective, right? As CFO trying to get these solutions up as well as, you know, how it used to be in previous years in my background. Yeah, you know, I did systems that were configurable, but you literally configured from scratch, right? Uh, So having those foundational things already there, ready to go that you can leverage yeah. I mean, many, you, you reminded me of that. That was huge. Yeah. And a little preview of, I think where things are going in the future is, you know, traditionally Oracle never do anything specific to an industry. And what we're seeing internally is that the products are now becoming more industry specific into where they're building up content that's relevant for a specific industry into the tool as well as options, whereas really checkboxes that you can now turn on. So for our oil and gas customers, our higher education customers, our high tech customers, they all have a launching pad of sorts that's even more granular to their specific business requirements um, than it was previously. So really excited to see how things um, you know, take off in the future and are able to be more um, individualized for a given customer requirement. Right. So um, there's really a lot, like to Fletcher's point about what the EPM platform offers, and, you know, we've, I think we've kind of uh, made a great example of SSI and the planning function. Have you guys found any potential use cases in any of the other modules within the EPM suite now that you've got the enterprise license, whether it be financial close and consolidations, account reconciliations, perhaps profitability and cost management, maybe to do profitability analysis by product or by um, R&D project or whatever it might be? I'm curious to hear where your thoughts are in the future, Jason and Chris, of where you might be able to take the platform in the future. Yeah, well, we just uh, we just kicked up the uh, capital project and planning piece a few months ago. Um, you know, as a company, we really don't run projects, but everybody in management wants to look at financial information from a project standpoint. And once again, it was all manual spreadsheets, everything. So we implemented that and we've, uh, we've run a couple projects through it and it's been fantastic. Uh, it's kind of the same thing, right? It's keeping it all in one place, easy to report on, easy to pivot the data into multiple things. So uh, that piece is, has been great. Um, so Chris, the- let me stop you there. So, you know, historically, uh, you know, we've been in the hospital technology uh, where we provide SaaS uh, solutions to software, I mean, to uh, providers, to hospitals and whatnot. And, and now we're getting into like really large contracts um, that are not in the provider market. And so what we're trying to do now is, is treat, create, treat these kind of, you know, sort of one-off uh, contracts as projects, you know, ha- you know, so things don't get lost in the shuffle. And we really know, you know, what our profitability is on these projects. But the other thing is, uh, you know, we, we use an agile uh, 
development methodology in our product engineering group, right? So it's really hard to say that, you know, here, we're going to do this and it's a project, right? Because we're just constantly, you know, adding functionality, features and functionality over time. But we are uh, looking at growing our footprint in, in the space as far as true product offerings, right? So new product offerings. So we're trying to mature our product life cycle uh, around new offerings. And, and at that point, we'll have this, uh, new EPM functionality in place to leverage that as well, which is going to be uh, really nice. Yeah, no, I think that's, um, it's good to see that, you know, that, that use case, because not a lot of, a lot of companies don't look at things by project or they may not have a lot of CapEx to analyze. And so the fact that you guys were able to take advantage of that full planning suite is great. Have you found any use case around the financial close side of the house? Things like the close uh, manager account reconciliations um, or any of that uh, controller side function? We have looked into it and I think we, uh, we have it planned for, to start that project in Q1. Um, we've kind of, you know, we were hoping to get to it this year and had some things pop up with other projects in the company that we had to kind of focus on, but yeah, sometime in Q1, we would love to, to get into the, especially the account recs in the month end, uh, Jason and I spent a lot of time developing an internal process using different tools, but EPM looks like it can combine two or three different tools for us into one and, you know, kind of smooth out that process even more. So Fletcher, we plan on using EPMI, so make sure you update your quota for next year. <laughs> you can uh, call me and tell me that stuff not on the podcast <laughs> but yeah kind of what chris and jason are hitting at it's like you know get the license of the oracle epm start out with planning you know and in-house you know over the course of the past 10 years or so you might have a couple of niche solutions and things you know one solution for say account rex one in place let's just say for you know closed task management but you know although it may seem that oracle is really complex to consume right all in one go when you spread it out over time, you can A, focus on user adoption, user experience, get people comfortable on the tool. And then the next projects that come are just that much easier. Um, the fact that you guys are used to using other tools for managing the closed tasks and reconciliations, it's nice to be able to, to work with that as a baseline understanding, because now it's more about translating this to one platform and gaining the exponential benefit of that. It's not just going from necessarily Excel to a new world, right? What you're doing is leveraging the Oracle platform to get exponentially better on that maturity model, because you're already maybe at a one or two level maturity. You want to get to four or five, right? So I think the benefits of that, especially already using Oracle EPM, are, are much greater um, compared to other folks that are just trying to get out and, and use a baseline you know, version of the tool. So I think in my experience with working with customers that have existing tools, it's, it's really nice because you know your process really well. Yeah, when we did our first uh, kind of just you know, brainstorming session on what we're looking for out of the account rec close, we actually have some things that that you guys were kind of shocked that we do, right? We were kind of ahead of the game. And I remember Carrie saying she would love to be able to build that so she can take that to other clients and, you know, be able to present that. Jason and I spent a lot of time developing that. So, you know, yeah, we're, we're very entrenched and we, we have a very good process. It's just in multiple places and it looks like you guys can bring it all together for us and that'll help everybody. It's not an uncommon story. We hear it a lot. In fact, um, one of our other customers, um, 
It's a large um, global semiconductor manufacturer on the West Coast. And they were a, a conglomeration or a merger of three individual companies that were also global companies in their own right. And the chief accounting officer would spend literally weeks traveling to different sites around the world, manually reconciling a box.com um, database of um, reconciliations and signing off on those. And, um, you know, to, to have all your reconciliations in one place, it's really the, the same concept, right? It's a manual Excel process. It's taking up a lot of time and it's, you know, really a lot of busy work rather than analysis type work, right? So if you're able to automate the majority of your reconciliations that are low activity or zero balance or, you know, things that, that don't really require a lot of um, real true analysis, then you can free up your time to focus on those high value activity items, just like we did in the plan process. And that's really, I think where EPM really shines is if you've got a manual Excel processor, Excel hell, as we call it, um, it's a, it's a great way to think about how you can be doing those things in a system to free up your time to focus on some higher value activities. And you've spent a lot of time at obtaining your CPA or MBA or <laughs> your years of experience in corporate finance, um, not to be an Excel monkey, right? <laughs> but, to, right. To, but maybe actually you know, provide some true insights of the business. Yep. Do you guys still have a, a big broadcast screen with uh, in your accounting department? I guess everybody's working remote, but I do remember when we were on site, you had like a traffic light system of where you were tracking everyone's progress on the close. I don't know if I'm misremembering, but no, I just thought that was... <laughs> we have it. Because we're out of the office, we haven't you know, been using it, but yeah, we, we still have all that up. That's true accountability right there. You don't want your name to pop up on that board as part of the red bar. That's uh, yeah. <laughs> or on our other screen where we're tracking our uh, all of our internal you know issues, so to speak. You don't want to have too high. You don't want to be the high bar on that issue tracking. So yeah, accountability is huge uh, in the department. What would you guys say is something that? maybe didn't go so well or something that you wish, you know what? I really wish the tool had this. I really wish Fletcher didn't do this, you know, um, something that we can take back as, you know what, in our next time, our next interaction, then we really got to make sure that we, we address this. We're always looking to continuously improve our internal processes as well. And um, you know, if you guys have any feedback on, you know, things that could have been done a little bit differently, or maybe even just a suggestion of how we could augment and make things better. Uh, is there anything that comes to mind? I know this is going to sound fake, but no, <laughs> honestly, Nihar, uh, like I said, between Oracle, EPM, and your your company, I, I mean, I, I couldn't think of a better partnership with the uh, with the two of them. And you know, again, I know this sounds fake, but it's, it's very genuine. Uh, um, it's uh, very nice to have the partnership with Oracle and uh, EPMI. Well, we definitely appreciate that. And I know that, you know, coming from my own on-premise background, you know, when, you know, we, we before we even started the company, um, a lot of, I would say almost 60%, I would say of the projects were either over budget or they were, you know, for some reason didn't go live. Um, in the cloud world, you know, after 200 or so of these projects, we have above a 99% success rate. And, you know, I think what you're saying, Jason, is, is right on the money. It's the combination of both the product and the personalities and the skill sets that make the cloud work that are really a great, you know, great joy to work with, you know, a great customer experience and gives us, you know, the, 
the wherewithal to get up every day and do this. So, um, you know, we really appreciate you guys hopping on here and, and chatting with us. And hopefully um, we've been able to give everybody a little more insight into the details of what goes on to a project like this. Um, thanks, Jason, Chris, Minnie Fletcher, and Alex for your time. Um, hope you guys uh, had fun and I'm looking forward to the next one. <laughs>